Good morning and welcome to Wanda's Picks, a black arts and cultural program of the African Sisters Media Network. And we are so excited to be speaking to Ann Chen this morning, um, director and founder of the Middle Passage Port Markers uh, Project. And uh, it's like become an annual thing for us, hasn't it, Ann? <laughs> yes, it is. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I haven't confirmed with her. But, you know, you're just so on top of everything. Um, you put yeah. me in your day book, and we are so on for today. And I'm really excited because I don't know if this has been one of the busier years since we started having our, our conversations, but you have done a whole lot this year. So I don't know where you want to take it, but we could just start at the beginning and just make our way to now, and I'm really interested in what happened at um, at Africatown um, in August. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we should start with Africatown since that's the last place of arrival, and this whole past year has been pretty much focused on Virginia history, um, mm-hmm. which is the 1619 arrival. And, and by the way, Wanda, congratulations uh, on your being uh, recognized for the work that you do uh, to promote this history and information on our culture. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, you know, 1619 is just one of the dates related uh, to African arrival. And if we're talking about the United States of America, we're actually talking uh, in terms of enslaved Africans, that began 1526 mm-hmm. with the Spanish. So that's almost right. 100 years prior to the 1619 arrival. But Africatown, 1860, is the last place of documented arrival. Um, and they had originally scheduled uh, to put a marker in for this year. But they have decided that they're going to do it in 2020, which will be the 160th year anniversary mm-hmm. of the arrival of their ancestors. So uh, it'll be in August. Uh, the date has not been set yet. But mm-hmm. Africatown okay. has been doing so much. And I, I really think that like Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is, you know, the, the top end in terms of New England, uh, in terms of arrival history of our ancestors, uh, Africatown is beginning to organize itself to be a model for how we talk about this history, learn from it, and address the legacy of uh, racism uh, in this country. So that in February, they're scheduling a youth uh, conference. It'll be the 7th, 8th, and 9th of February. And then uh, a whole, I guess, a diasporan conference uh, is that's under discussion now for August, um, mm-hmm. which will oh, also include great. the marker, marker installation. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know, we as a people are finally focusing on what this history has meant to us, uh, and not the not the negative victim kind of conversation, 
but, you know, how this empowers us to move forward. And I am so excited that, you know, all of the arrival sites that we work with documented arrival sites will be invited to the Diaspora Conference in August. So it could be really, you know, mm-hmm. a very powerful Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. How many, how many yeah. sites it's, now? Well, there are 52. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, we started off with maybe 42 or 40, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. and over the last nine years, uh, additional ones have been documented and identified. Uh, some mm-hmm. some places on their own, like West Point, Virginia, uh, went and looked at their archives and records and said, no, you can't fold us into Yorktown. We are a separate port, and mm-hmm. here's the documentation. And it cut a lot of the information uh, that we had given, basically, or assigned to Yorktown from the Voyages database out of Emory. Uh, It redefined it and put a number of those ships that we initially said only came to Yorktown, put them in West Point, Virginia. So, you know, the the awareness is what excites me the most, uh, Mm -hmm. that we actually can say "This this is where we landed. This is where our history in this nation began the influence and the contributions. And I think it's so important um, that we're framing it in terms of ancestors. Um, In maybe at the end of this year or the beginning of uh, 2020, a marker Mm -hmm. will also be placed uh, in Algiers in New Orleans uh, because that was... Yeah, that was basically a, a quarantine arrival spot. You know, everybody who, who made the Middle Passage survived it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them were very ill. They were uh, mm-hmm. damaged in many ways, not mm-hmm. considered eligible. They were sick. And so mm-hmm. a lot of folks were offloaded uh, originally in Algiers and screened before they were taken over to New Orleans proper uh, for auction. So Mm. as I said, a lot of these places are beginning to define their history um, and acknowledge it and and really appreciate what our ancestors uh, have experienced. Wow. You know, I was just thinking, um, you mentioned, um, you know, 1526 with the, uh, the Spaniards, um, you know, introduction of Africans into um into this particular hemisphere. And uh I was wondering if you were referencing um uh was it Cortez? Um it was on it was mm-hmm. on the west coast, uh in the Pacific, um in uh Alta, California, uh what eventually um was known as Baja. And uh and I was just thinking if if the uh the list included the West Coast um, of of the uh, United States because that is a place that our ancestors were, you know, like 300 of them actually um, came into this particular hemisphere. And uh, and then I was also thinking when you were talking about Algiers 
and the quarantine, I was thinking about the historic uh, uh, quarantine of, of immigrants, and in this case, you know, Algiers would be enslaved, African immigrants, um, Angel Island uh, here in the Pacific, uh, right outside of Calif- right outside of San Francisco, was where um, Chinese were were quarantined um, when they uh, before they would were allowed to come into um, to San Francisco. And so I was thinking, wow, you know, some of the some of the parallels and treatment of of people coming into you know these. United States, but not United States at that particular time, um, in in the, in uh, in Algiers, um, just you know, sort of the isolation of the person, you know, and checking them out. I think the same thing um, was was where um, um, the uh, Statue of Liberty is, right? Um, Ellis Island wasn't that a place where they quarantined people before they let them into to New York? Right, right. You know, it's it's almost every group who comes mm. has some place where they are quote processed. Okay. Um, our our African ancestors, however, that all of that has been less documented and acknowledged, mm-hmm. so that you know when when you talk about these arrival sites. You know, there are ports, the commercial ports, where most of the ships arrive with with captive Africans. But the quarantine spaces, we are also included um, as our middle passage arrival site places because um, there are several in Charleston. You've got uh, James Island, Morris Island, um yeah, on Amelia Island, uh, Fernandina, Florida, you've got Misery Point. Uh, in mm-hmm. Savannah, you've got Tybee Island. You know, and then of course New Orleans, you have Algiers. You know, as as we highlight or begin to research this history, I think we just find more places that are related to our our arrival. Now, now when you talk about the West Coast. If mm-hmm. there were ships that came from Africa and went around uh, to the other to the Pacific side, then technically those would be Middle Passage arrival sites. However, mm-hmm. I think most of the Africans who were brought into the Americas are on the Atlantic side. So, you know, when when we talk about Peru and we talk about um, Baja or Mexico on the silver mm-hmm. side, silver mining side, uh, Chile, Bolivia, Colombia, all of those places, most of the Africans arrived on the Atlantic coast and were marched across uh, land um, so that it, it technically, I mean, we're, we're only talking about first arrival. Our, our, project addresses people who came directly from Africa and the first time they set foot on land that's a middle passage arrival site so mm-hmm. unless that history and I don't know but I'm not familiar I, I'm not dismissing it I'm simply saying that for those places uh, in 
Mexico, which it then becomes California or Mexico itself, mm-hmm. um, they may have been marched across. I don't. I don't know no. the history. So no, I, no, I'm they weren't marched. No, they weren't. Yeah. Okay. No, they weren't marched well, across. Is- no, they they were. It was it was an arrival site. Um, okay. Well, then I love They came get- on the ship. Yeah. I'll send you the information. Uh-huh. Yeah, because okay. we. Um, yeah, from um, this year for the Ma'afa commemoration, which um, happened in October, it was our 24th annual Ma'afa commemoration, and um, and this year where there are a whole lot of things that uh, were first, not first, but we're having these big anniversaries. Um, with regards to when they happened, and uh, and so we're looking, we were looking specifically at um, the uh, the Buffalo Soldiers, and because of of um, Point Comfort, you know, um, and the um, um, the um, Fort Monroe National Monument, and uh, and the history of of African um, people in the um, uh, the National Park Service. We wanted to sort of uh, we wanted to to highlight um, you know uh, Colonel um, Charles Young as the first superintendent because you know we had Superintendent Terry you know um, at mm-hmm. Fort Monroe um, National Monument and so and we were looking at how the the Buffalo Soldiers um, and and um, and other 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 um members of the military would be um i guess they would be stationed at these parks that became national parks well actually i think might have been called national parks but there were there was no like the the uh, department of the interior hadn't established per se um a, an an ongoing way of of keeping these lands um maintained and keeping people from poaching and things like that. So these um so under under Colonel Charles Young, he did so much uh in the area of the sequoias. I mean, he was um they were in uh the San Francisco what's now known as the Presidio, but they um they rode up to the sequoias and they built roads and they did all this great infrastructure and and it's it's today they people are still um benefiting from what they did. I mean, the roads are still passable. They're still using those roads and things like that. So they actually, um, I guess the Department of the Interior named a tree after him, and and this year there's a sign on the highway named after him. And there's been other stuff happening. So we wanted to highlight that and also highlight that four hundred over 450 African veterans um, Buffalo soldier are soldiers are at the um, uh, the Presidio in San Francisco, and people don't even know that there there are no monuments, <laughs> you know. So the honoring that, so so we we um, when we you know how at um, Fort Monroe for August 25th, and you were in um, uh, Africa Town, we rang the bells, you know, 100. You know, one one minute for each of the 400 years, and as you said, you know, there's there are more than 400 years. That was just one spot of of other right. other places where our ancestors came in. So we did that too because I was asking around with the um, um, 
the various um, rangers in 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 this vicinity because I'm I'm on the west coast I'm in you know the Bay Area, and and they said well you know you could do it Wanda because <laughs> I don't think they were ringing bells here in the Bay um, on the 25th so we did it at the beach and then on Veterans Day I went back to the Presidio and I rang the bell again bells again for those 450 plus you know men that are buried there. Um but in the in the course of that research we we I learned because it was already something actually I learned about a document by um written by one of the trailblazing journalists uh, Delilah Beasley who was the first um African woman and maybe first woman to write for the Oakland Tribune and um and so she wrote a, an essay entitled in 1919 so this was the centennial year of that publication, January 1st, 1990, called Slavery in California. And it's there that she talks about um, the arrival of these 300 Africans. And she also talks about instances where people of free African people were um, were, were stolen and, and sold and and um and sort of the strategy that they had uh, of people like when when somebody was snatched particularly when the um uh, fugitive slave act was passed they were like mm-hmm. you know like rally around the person and buy them back <laughs> or get them get them legal representation and they were successful um you know a lot of the time but yeah so a lot of people here in the bay area and a lot of people in california don't know this history and also that um, in 1865, um, you know, when uh, the the Civil War was over, people in California were not free yet. There was still, you know, de facto slavery. Enslavement was still going on. I think until 1872. So, so there's a whole lot of lot of history here in in California that around enslavement and slavery. Um, that people aren't aware of. So yeah, so we we've been doing a, doing some research, and and I'll be happy to send that to you. Yeah, please. I mean, I I need the documentation. You know what the sources for mm-hmm. the information. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, most of it's coming from Delilah Beasley. Um, she she um she did another. She did a real famous book called Negro Trailblazers of California, and that was also published in 1919. And and, and it. So a lot of the, uh, and she's really, she documents her sources really well. Um, yeah, so I'll send all of that. I'll send you links to the book, which I bought on mm-hmm. online, and uh, and I'll send you the essay, which is free. People can get it from, um, uh, what's the name of that uh, source? Um, uh, um, JSTOR, uh, J-S-T-O-R. The, the, uh, the essay, um, uh, Slavery in California, is, is easily accessible and you can download it okay all right i really would appreciate it because yeah that that and, and this is exactly how we get the information talking to somebody and somebody says oh well you know this person is already uh identified and documented so like we went from 42 to 52 sites you know just mm-hmm. based on conversations that we've had um, right, and, yeah. and you know, and it's not just that people in California don't know; people in this country don't know; people in the world don't know. That's why one of the things you know that we really stress is 
putting up a marker, you know, mm-hmm. so that that information, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not eternal, but it certainly is uh, more readily accessible and, and uh, available if, if, if the information is on a marker, it's not in somebody's head, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so the we stress the ceremony remembrance ceremonies as well as the markers. So this right. year coming, twenty twenty, we are really focusing on raising some money for the markers in in communities that I think are so uh overwhelmed with other economic issues that, you know, I don't I don't know whether they would ever be able to even afford to put a marker. So places like Biloxi, Mississippi and they're dealing with they're dealing with, you know, environmental issues for the whole community, um, a polluted uh Gulf area, um, in terms of a lot of their money, either as as water people, you know, oyster, oysters don't even produce anymore. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, that beach area, if you have a sore, you're advised not to mm-hmm. go into the water. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. all the things that have sustained particularly uh, our communities along the Gulf are really mm-hmm. endangered. And mm-hmm. so I understand that that would be their priority. But I, mm-hmm. you know, there's no other place in Mississippi where we can document that Africans arrived. But they came, you know, from the 18th, early 18th century. But you know, the people there didn't even know that they were an arrival site. So you know, we're we're going to try to raise some seed money at least uh, to get these markers up in in those kind of economically stressed uh, arrival site locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I wanted to um wanted to, uh cuz uh Africa Town is 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 really, you know, close to to Biloxi. And um and and so I was just wanted and um I've actually been to Africa Town. Um and that story is is so so interesting. And I was wondering if you could share with our audience a little bit of the story and uh uh, and Cujo, and um, you know the book that Laura Neal Hurston that was published recently. I think within the past, has it been two years now that that book was published? Yeah, um, yeah, Barracoon, Barracoon, Barracoon. Yeah, yeah. And I just think when the book, when I finished the book, I was just thinking, oh, I want more story. I want more story. <laughs> well, but, well, you know, there are are two books that are really uh, given to much detail. One is by Dioff. Um, that was the first book I read. And then uh, there's a professor at Hampton, Natalie Robertson, mm-hmm. who has written um, a book. In fact, she's going to be on the, I think, on the panel in February with the youth conference. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the book that's really. Yeah. Okay, I'm I think, sorry. Um, I think I have that one too. Is, is that the book that's? Um, um, yeah, it came out before um, it was published before Zora Neale Hurston's manuscript was published, right? Right, right. Because it was yeah. Dioff's mm-hmm. book, 
on, on Africatown, and then Natalie Robinson's book, and then the Barracoon, um, I think because, you know, there were people were interested in finding the ship itself, the Clotilda, that, mm-hmm. um, you know, publishers decided that it was the proper time or the right time. I would not say proper, the opportune time, because it's mm-hmm. always the publishers about money. Uh, the opportune <laughs> time to to, <laughs> to, to, to release the Barracoon uh, manuscript. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'll tell you a little yeah. bit of the story of Africa Down. Okay, so it okay. starts with a bet, a wager made in a bar uh, among these men, uh, one of whom owns a lumber company. Uh, And the wager was that in spite of uh, the band, 1808 constitutional band, this guy Meyer uh, decided that he could have a boat built, a ship built, whatever boat really, and go to Africa and bring back uh, captive people. So the wager was on. And he had the boat built and found a captain. And they went uh, to Benin and loaded up uh, 110 people, mostly uh, adolescents. One guy, I think, was uh, a a prisoner of war, uh, sort of enemy of the state kind of thing. Uh, but most of them were adolescents. Uh, they were from Benin and Niger- Nigeria. And they were smuggled uh, into the Mobile uh, River area and uh, forced off of the ship and, and left in the swamp uh, for over a week while they figured out what they were going to do with these 110. All of them survived. Nobody died. Um, Mm -hmm. But they were certainly captive. Um, And so they are sent out to different plantations. Um, The Civil War, this is 1860, so the Civil War starts, and uh, some of them end up... um, fighting for the Union side. Uh, And on the plantations when they were enslaved, um, there was a real distinction between them and those of the enslaved people who were what they call Creole or just brought, born in the U.S. and and, uh, had at least one or two generations of of enslavement, um, so that these Africans were always considered distinct, um, not really trusted. So they, if they managed to be on farms or plantations or in work areas together, they sort of stayed together. When the mm-hmm. war ended, um, they decided 
you know, that they would find each other. And they went to um, an area outside of Mobile and set up a settlement, but it was right on the river, so it flooded a lot. Um, But they, you know, found familiarity with among themselves. Very, and some of them did marry um, people of African descent who were were not directly from Africa. But for the most part, they they just built their community. Uh, it flooded a lot, so they went to an area called Plateau, which is basically um, about a few miles from what is now Africa Town. But they decided they would call it Africa Town, and their goal, even though uh, they never raised enough money, their goal was to return to Africa. They never uh, really felt that they were uh, integrated. At least that first generation never really felt that it was really integrated into um, either the Alabama or the U.S. Culture, so they maintain a lot of their traditions. Uh, they set up a, a school. They had churches. Um, they set up family compounds. Mm-hmm. So that's so, and and then Scott, the Scott Paper Company, set up a a paper mill, and most of the men worked there. The women uh, maintained uh, the African tradition of being market women. So they grew uh, produce and would uh, take it into Mobile um, for it to be sold. And that's how the the community survived for at least uh, almost uh, another generation, two generations actually. And then, like a lot of places in the South, you know, people, the younger people started leaving. But there was a strong enough hold um, that folks came back, you know, to their families to visit. Um, they had a they had a distinct sense of themselves. Uh, they never changed the name of the place, and. Um, they maintained their, their history, um, and people originally, uh, in the I guess in the thirties, kind of dismissed it like you know this is this couldn't be possible, which is why I think that the residents of Africa Town were so excited when, in particular, I mean there were different places at different times that studied them for cultural or anthropological reasons. But Mm -hmm. when National Geographic uh, decided to invest in finding the Clotilda, and they did after a couple of of false uh, findings, uh, it sort of vindicated this community in a sense that, yeah, we told you, you know, this is our history. Mm -hmm. This is where... This is where we started in 1860. Yes, our our relatives were uh, 
smuggled in here. And, you know, they banded together and formed this community, and that's that's who we are. Uh, I think that it has given them a whole nother recharge. Um, and they're taking on sort of the mantle of how how to address this legacy. And But fortunately, you know, they are welcoming of, of everybody to participate. And um, I think it's going to be a cultural center. They had one at one time, or they were building one. Uh, the cemetery uh, is in place. It's been cleaned up and... and you know, grave sites are now maintained. Uh, there's there's a, a sense that of, of possibility. I think that that would be the way to, to to say it. You know, they've got a community farm where mm-hmm. they they can feed, at least in terms of produce. Um, it's mostly elderly people there now. That's um, right. Yeah. And I think, they're trying to figure out a way to to do economic development. Housing is an issue. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they they reflect what every low income minority community uh, is addressing, and they're saying so. Let us be the model for how we organize to to correct this, to make this. You know, a, a, a place where you have a decent, decent living. I think that's you know, and, and that we do have, we do have economic and and political power because it's always been seen. I mean, I don't think that uh, Africatown was incorporated into Mobile until maybe the 80s. It was mm-hmm. always considered like a separate sort of you know, just sort of out there. Um, but it was incorporated. But it was incorporated with no benefits, basically. I mean, the first time that a mayor of Mobile came to Africa Town was August 25th. What? Are you serious? I'm serious. Wow. wow. You know, and he came. He came he were, I was originally told that, that he was going to make an apology for the mm-hmm. history and that possibly yeah. this family Meyer uh mm-hmm. yeah. attend and there may be an apology. Well, none of that happened. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because it, it takes it takes a bit to, to turn people around. So Africatown mm-hmm. is, is a perfect example of, you know, the need for reparations and what the reparations ought to look like and what the community mm-hmm. ought to do. You know, and if you're going to have political representatives on the city council, you know, how do you hold their feet to the fire and make them advocates for what you determine you need? I mean, it's all of those issues that every single minority, low-income in particular community is is a confronting. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, you know, I, I I think it's really important that we talk about the fact that yeah, we talk about this history, we acknowledge it, but you know, our ancestors didn't live in the past, you know, mm-hmm. and I think if we take that model, you know, that you, you got to live in the present, you learn from the past, 
You got to, you right. know, do the, <laughs> live, in the, live, live in the now and plan for the mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Africatown is, is is hoping to set that trend and say, you know, we all can do this wherever we are, whether it's California or New Hampshire or or Ohio. You know, there there are lessons to be learned. There are ways to do things that would benefit us as as a people, as a community. And it has to do with quality of life. Mhm. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it was um it was really interesting when I when I visited um Africa Town. It was uh when the um EJI uh, Equal Justice Institute uh was opening the um the National Memorial to Peace and Justice monument uh that looks at um racial terror killings or lynchings um that monument and then the uh legacy museum from slavery to mass incarceration to show the connection between uh, what was happening you know legally to our ancestors then and continues to happen legally to our 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 kinfolk presently and uh um and so i've never been i've never been to alabama Unless I unless I stop through on at an airport or something that I can't remember, and so it's like okay I gotta I gotta do the high high points right and so Africa Town's like oh my god Africa Town I totally want to go visit Africa Town, so my friend um, uh, Theodore Lush who was a part of um, the um, Coalition for African uh, what is it uh, you know the group that you know we all honor our ancestors. Um, ICAMP, the International Coalition for the Commemoration of African Ancestors of the Middle Passage, he does um, the, he sort of coordinates the libations for our ancestors right. there in uh, Montgomery in July. And so um, so he has, a, he has a vehicle that holds a lot of people. So we all like got in the vehicle, friends from, you know, members of ICAMP from Florida <laughs> and myself <laughs> and, and, some, and some others, and we just sort of went around. So went out to Africatown and met with some of the um, relatives of the founders. And um, I'm mean, just learning about, you know, how, how this family, um, you know, this Meyer family, how they're still running stuff, um, you know, all these, you know, years later, you know, over over a century later, um, you know, and, and, there, and there are people within the community that um, enable them to be able to continue to run things insofar as bringing in industry that pollutes the water and and the right. land and the air um and uh but we got a chance you know to see the community center where there's you know a lot of history there and go to the uh, cemetery and 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 see the church and you know and the bell and it's really something how someone bell. stole the bell and they had to get a new bell and I'm like dang how mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. how trifling right to steal the bell you know that this community <laughs> you know <laughs> had you know had made to you know to be able to let people know about service but it was like an old bell like over you know 100 years old you yeah, know somebody right, wiped it right yeah, crazy. And, and they also yeah. took a bus. I think they somebody did something with one of the buses in, in Africa town of one of or something. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, it, yeah, it's yeah, sabotage, right? Yeah, yes, and and you know, it's like I said, it's a story that's repeated across this nation. 
Mm-hmm. You know, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. But, and, but then, Africa, and then remember, oh, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to go back to the ship, um, you know, the Cotilda, because initially um, people thought that it had been found, and then said, no, that's not it. But then, but then another one's like, oh, this is it. This was another another um, uh, exploration and and finding it. So where 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 is where are the the ship uh, relics? Like where is the artifact? Well, it's right now. It's under the auspices of Africatown, and and that's that's another bone of contention. City Mobile wanted. <laughs> you know, I mean, what? You know, people no, went, what? no, no. Well, they said, well, you're part of Mobile. No, not really. We've never been a part of Mobile. You know, I think Africatown. Africatown is like a thirty. It's it's really like. I would I would parallel it to to emancipation when you know masses still saying well I know what's best for you you know and mm-hmm. and when when you're legally emancipated and you assume that you have certain rights as as a citizen right. you go no you no you don't you don't you can't own this so um, there there is a tug. <laughs> between uh, the history folks in Mobile and mm-hmm. the Africatown community. I mean, all of this stuff is, is playing out, you know, but I think, wow. that, I think Africatown is going to win out. I really, I really do. Cause I think that they're, they have <laughs> done an excellent work of networking mm-hmm. so that they have HBCUs that are involved. They've got, University of Southern New Hampshire that's coming down. I mean, mm. they have extended their tendrils, thank God, uh, into institutions, University of Pennsylvania, places that mm. have a little bit of clout so that, you know, they have the backing of these institutions and organizations uh, that will make it a difficult for Mobile mm-hmm. to just plow into them, you know. Um, that, that museum that's in the training mm-hmm. school, the training center yeah. that, that you saw, yes. you know, they're, they're looking for uh, a way to to preserve things better and curate. Mm-hmm. Um, the Smithsonian is now involved with them, cool. uh, the African-American cool. Museum. So, I mean, they, mm-hmm. they are extending... You know, it's sort of like what's important to us, what's priority, um, mm-hmm. and how do we how do we safeguard uh, mm-hmm. our our community going forward? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Are you presenting at this conference? Um, uh, November, not February. Me, um, February seventh. Um, what were the dates again? The, oh, well, I actually, I. I think I'm scheduled for oh, the seventh, eighth, ninth, the Monday, the ninth, the ninth, the Monday, because it will okay. be someone from the National Park Service, uh, probably Liz, oh. uh, who did uh-huh. the Blu-ray. Um, she's she's National Park Service assigned her to the Delta, Mississippi Delta, oh. uh, mm-hmm. but I met her uh, in a meeting about Biloxi and mm-hmm. continue to see her uh, involved in Africatown. But Africatown just mm-hmm. finished its Blue Way National Park Service uh, trail. Um, you said Blue, you said Blue Ray? B-L- it's called Blue, Blue Way. Blue and Ray are... 
W A Y. Way. Oh, way. It's, it's oh, the what blue is that? Way. It's, the blue it's, way. What is that? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of the migration and a lot of the history of people around waterways. Right. So okay. the Park Service has developed this program in different regions mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. talk about blue ways. Oh. Uh, and Africatown is part of the blue way system. I guess would be the best oh. way to put it. And they okay. just they just unveiled that. So oh. uh, I just unveiled it as as in like like as a as a route with historical markers and mm-hmm. and and, oh, and, and nice. part of that would be the Clotilda story. Oh, okay. Um so National Park Service mm-hmm. uh Natalie Robertson and I, and I mm-hmm. don't, and and then they're looking for a moderator. In fact, we're going to have a conversation oh. later on this month about what that panel ought to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's on the ninth, but okay. there will be programs for the, yeah, there'll be programs for the kids or the young people. I say kids for young people. Um, <laughs> During that that during that weekend, and then then the old folks come in on the night. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh yeah, because I'm thinking. Oh, I totally want to be in the house for this. Ah. Oh, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think. And and mm-hmm. they did something with young because they really are setting up programs and activities that will involve young people because you know otherwise. Africatown as it is right now is mostly old people. So you know, how do you get mm-hmm. young people involved to you know mm-hmm. to to see some merit in in keeping this this area alive? You know, because mm-hmm. it is it's eleven miles outside of Mobile. I mean, so it's if at the best it's a suburb. You know, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Could you could you send me yeah. a link because I'm at the National Park Service and I'm putting in Blue Wave, and I'm not getting a hit. W A Y. Oh, way way not wave. Okay. Way right. Blue Wave. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I will send you a link. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is so fascinating. Okay. All right. So I've monopolized all of your your time around Africa Town because. I was so excited. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I can't be in two places on the 25th. I'm like, oh my goodness, this sounds so awesome. Because when you tell me, no, I'm not going to be at Port uh, Comfort. I mean, at uh, Port Port Comfort, I'm going to be, you know, uh, at Africa Town. I'm like, oh wow, that's so awesome. Yeah, and and no one's told me like in great detail what happened and what's happening. So this has been so exciting. Um, so I, I, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about other, um, you know, other things that have happened this year. And also, I wanted to mention, um, you know, last year when I uh, when I met you, uh, or maybe it was the year before last, um, uh, when the uh, in New Orleans, uh-huh. yeah, when um, when um, you know at the uh, my office commemoration uh, that year and. Um, and the national was it the National Park Service because um New Orleans, which is really cool, they have an app where you can go to these different spots where the signs are, and you could 
you know, I don't know if you can scan it or take a picture of the of the um of the barcode and you can get the whole history. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. And I was wondering, um, are any do any of the other uh, locations where um, the ports are marked have something where it's it's a it's a you know the the marker is at the port of entry, but there are also there's a trail. You know, you can do a you can do a walk and a history of of the people of the African people in that particular area or that particular city or region. Well, interesting that you should ask that <laughs> because you know, as we are looking at the project, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping that you know of the 52 uh, sites that at the most. Maybe 50 will have markers in the next couple of years. So our mm-hmm. job is, in terms of ceremonies and markers, pretty much done. Uh, okay. And going forward, you know, I don't I don't see us as as an internal uh, project. But we are looking at and working with someone in St. Augustine now. There will be one barcode. We will keep the website up. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be one barcode, and you can go in using your phone mm-hmm. and punch in or type in or whatever, however you do your system, the city, the particular uh, arrival site. And then on that from that, arrival site, you can go in and all of the different organizations that have museums or articles or whatever, all that stuff will be contained under that site. That's what we're hoping. So that, yeah, if there is a trail in that city that has been established, that link will be there. Folks can just tap it and go for it. That's that's what we are, in so in you know entertaining right now. Um, people can see, you know, whatever's related to to our project, but far more expanded in terms of the organizations and and groups that we've been working with for the past nine years, how or eight years. How do we go forward with this, uh, but not physically uh, doing what we do now. So initially I thought, you know, oh, every every site needs to have a barcode. And I was like, well, what good is that? I mean, some of the places already have their markers up, you know, um, and that may be too convoluted. And the, the person who's working on this who approached me with the idea of barcoding uh, a marker his wife was talking to him one evening and she said, well, why don't you just have one barcode and people access whatever information they want through that barcode. And I went, your wife's a genius. <laughs> you know, So mm-hmm. there will only be one, but when you go in, you'll be able to access hopefully at least 50 of the sites in terms of you know, where the museums are, where the trail is, you know, what organizations 
uh, are are dealing with preserving the history, you know, what the historical societies are, you know, all of that information would be just listed. And mm-hmm. people can right. go from there and people can go from there. Yeah. So we're we're trying to on a limited basis incorporate some of the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So yeah. that, that it, it it goes beyond, you know, you don't have to come to our website to to get everything. You can. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have everything, <laughs> you know. Um, right. But, but going forward, you know, even in terms of, you know, if somebody is keeping a calendar, so mm-hmm. a doctor has a calendar of ceremonies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, their their events calendar, if people are interested, you know, they can click that on and and, and find out what's going on where. Um, and right. that's what that barcode ultimately would uh, provide for, for people who want to use it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I okay. really, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with what New Orleans has done. And, and, you know, they, I know that they, completed it um, two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Right. When they mm-hmm. put that marker on. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> I um uh I want you to give give the uh give the website um uh for um for the organization so people can um uh you know go read more about what um what you all have been doing um okay at the uh, middle passage uh port marcus project thank you Wanda. it's uh middlepassageproject.org and we have a facebook uh page and it's called the middle passage ceremonies and port markers project it's it's just the project name um mm-hmm. so that you can access uh events uh Remembered ceremonies and markers that we just put up yesterday or the day before. The mm-hmm. most recent marker, uh, which was a, put up in Mobile on December seventh, with a, oh, a nice. double sided. That was recent. Nice. Yeah, yeah, double sided marker. Um, mm-hmm. Pensacola uh, mm-hmm. will put up Pensacola, Florida, and Amelia Island, Florida will put up their markers in 2020, early in 2020. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Jacksonville Jaguars, our football team down here Mm -hmm. in Florida, Uh uh, is paying for the uh, Amelia Island Fernandina markers. Um, So that those two uh, will be our next. And then I just had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, and Brown University um, in Rhode Island uh, had committed to paying for the Rhode Island markers. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of pushing for that funding now. Mm-hmm. Um, Sapelo Bay, Georgia, which is the 1526 arrival site, um, will put theirs up in 2020. So that's in Darien, Georgia which has a rich mm-hmm. history with the 54th uh, Regiment during the Civil War. Uh, mm-hmm. The Weeping the weeping Time, um, 
Yes, that's that place? Uh, the butler. Oh, yep, the butler really? All of that oh, occurred man. in this little tiny town in Darien, Georgia. So they're putting wow. up their, their arrival marker. Um, mm-hmm. So those, those, and uh, we just had a conversation with people in, in Annapolis, Maryland, with the mayor's office. And yes. they are redoing their dock area because of flooding. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is, I think, a commitment, I hope, uh, mm-hmm. to put a marker um, incorporated into the design of the new uh, dock area. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, so, I mean, things things are happening. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Tidy Island in Georgia, uh, so mm-hmm. outside of Savannah, will put a marker up this year. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're making progress, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Annapolis just now. Annapolis is that the place where um, the community they go out on a on a on a boat or a ship? Well, Not a ship, but... yeah, oh. yeah. Well, they do the Maryland the Maryland Middle Passage Committee mm-hmm. goes out on the ship uh, oh, or okay. or somebody's boat do a libation in the water. They do that annually. So sometimes it's right. in Baltimore, sometimes it's in Annapolis, it's been in Cambridge, okay. Maryland. They okay. they do different places, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Yeah. People figure out how they how they want their remembrance ceremonies to look and what they want their markers to to say. Mhm. Right, totally. Yeah. And I also wanna give the website for um the International Coalition for the Commemoration of African Ancestors of the Middle Passage um, to everyone listening because that's also a place where you can find out where um, where a ceremony is happening in your community uh, as well as maybe starting a ceremony in a community where there isn't one. And that's um, <clears throat> rememberTheAncestors.com and um, the... Um, the Middle Passage Ceremonies and Port Markers Project is, is also um, uh, included in, in our, our links there. Um, I wanted to um, briefly uh, share your bio and uh, that you sent me <laughs> as, as, as we conclude our conversation. <laughs> All right. But I think you were able to figure it out. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, But you were born and grew up in Washington, D.C., among family and friends with a strong awareness of history. And over the years, you became a person who loved stories and the people who generate these narratives. Along the way, you also realized that each of us is deeply entwined with a local and national heritage that can be traced through memory as well as knowledge. Textile art, social service, community organizing, and historic research are the constants in your life. Uh, you're married to Charlie Cobb, who is a journalist and author, and you appreciate language written and spoken. From your parents and many relatives, you learn the responsibility of honesty, humor, and community. Being a member of a diverse and ever-expanding family of three children, five grandchildren, and numerous cousins, uh, you increasingly appreciate the role we all have in telling the story and valuing who we are and who helped shape us. And it and in acknowledging that process. The scaffolding enabled you to finally do two things in which you assume to be the final third portion of your life. Number one, write a family history, years in telling, it's in the blood. Is that available? 
Uh, it's it's only for the family. Okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, established in 2011, the Middle Passage Ceremonies and Port Markers Project, uh, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to honoring African ancestors who experienced the Middle Passage, those who died and those who survived, from whom we are descendant. And again, that's middlepassageproject.org. And and then you write, none of these endeavors are singular or yours exclusively. Each requires the efforts and contributions of many uh, for their participation and support. You write that you are grateful and indebted every day. And um, so as we were talking, um, it sounded like you're sort of looking at sort of, because, you know, it was it was a finite, um, you know, uh, assignment in that you know, there are only so many ports, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um and now I, I just told you about another one. So, um yeah, so maybe not Thank as you. soon as Thank you think. You. <laughs> 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 yeah. But in um in in reading about this history, um and, and um I was a you know, I participated in the slave rebellion reenactment in um in uh I guess South uh East Louisiana, um, you know, the German um uh coast where there was a lot of sugar plantations. Um, this is before New Orleans and Louisiana were part of the Union. And um and and just, you know, and this is the largest uh insurrection in the history of enslavement and enslaved Africans in the country and you know, like Hundreds and hundreds, like maybe five hundred, you know, African people marching to New Orleans, and and in reading this history, um, I, um, I I read about uh, a place in in Florida where um, African people um, were free, and they had been enslaved, but they were free, and they had a fort, and 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 the the Union wanted that particular land, and and they killed. They bombed all of the people, you know, unarmed, you know, men, women, and children in this particular area. And I was wondering, do you do you know that story? Um, and uh, and I was wondering, where is that? Like, what part of Florida did that happen? Okay, that's uh, they call it Negro Fort. Uh, oh, it's okay. North, it's north of Pensacola, so it's. You know, that whole area is, is well, sometimes it was Alabama and sometimes it was Florida, um, but it was a, a place where, you know, it, it was basically a maroon community. Um, okay. And, you know, I would say, like Christians say, three or more are gathered. Well, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> three or more uh, enslaved people or or self-emancipated people are gathered that's that's considered uh, by the oppressor dangerous mm-hmm. well you talk mm-hmm. about three or four hundred people who have gathered and they're in a fort mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and you know they're seeking refuge uh, or creating refuge mm-hmm. um, right the, the powers that be are, are determined to, to destroy that um, mm-hmm. And and you know a lot of times you know what's done to our what has been done to our ancestors is 
to serve as an example uh, going forward. Right, terrorism, uh, yeah. You, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you defy the rules, you know, if you challenge the system, you know, this this is this is the outcome. Um, so Negro Fort was was in that tradition. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, they yeah. they, and it was mostly uh, children and women who were there. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so, right. Yeah, uh, and then I think I think the Spaniards were saying, you know, to leave them be, um, you know, as they um, were, um, I guess, turning over their their land, you know, that they had yeah. stolen to um, to to the to what is now the United States, but it was like. The person um, uh, Claiborne was like, "Oh heck to the no! We're gonna kill these folks." Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking Andrew Jackson, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's that mm-hmm. whole, whole violence and terror that that mm-hmm. you know has has been uh, certainly a part of our history. And Negro Port is is a perfect example. I mean, the other example, you know, in terms of Florida. Um, would be the Seminole War <laughs> themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh-huh. that was all fought to to because the Seminoles had worked out a, a system, even though it may have been something that looked like sharecropping, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with maroon communities uh, in Central Florida and in the Everglades, where people created their communities. They they handed over a portion of their their crops. To, to the to the what really were Muscogee and Creek Native people who were escaping um, the invasion of European descended people uh, into their territory, um, and the U.S. Army decides under First Jackson, you know, that their gripe is that there are these escaped or fugitives. Uh, enslaved people who are being uh, sheltered and protected by the Native Americans. And that's how the Seminole War started. I mean, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. You know, it's, it's always about establishing what is their definition of law and order, you know, mm-hmm. at the expense of everybody else. So I mean I can get really bitter on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know that. I no, think, no, but, that's good. You know, no, this is, you're just such a well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just you know emotionally it, it takes its toll because I, I just see it repeated. You know, in, in every generation and every place um, that folks rationalize what they do. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that you were talking about a finite project is this one is mm-hmm. I hope. Um, mm-hmm. I've been toying in my head with uh, a project that will talk about the trails, not the trail, mm-hmm. but the trails of tears, and to incorporate uh, the domestic um, routes that that uh, enslaved people took during after um, they they arrived here. Uh, mm-hmm. And parallel that with with the Native Americans, because again, we're talking parallel stories. You know, I've been I've been challenged yeah. a lot. You know, mm-hmm. when I start incorporating Native people, or or as, as you're talking about uh, Asian folks, particularly uh, on the West Coast, 
These are parallel stories. You were talking about a system that creates laws and and encourages behavior, you know, that exploit and oppress. You know, we got to look at this country and what it really is or how it really was established and and maintained. And and you know this this is our land. I mean, you know, by default maybe. I mean, maybe my folks didn't didn't buy a ticket to come here, but we're here, and we've been here for centuries. And this is our land. We shouldn't have to tell people that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I right. just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't see it's right. I don't. I, you know, don't define don't define this place only in terms of one ethnic group. You know, uh, I just finished reading this book uh, by Hartman. Um, it's called Lose Your Mother. And oh, yes, yes, I have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she talks about going to, to Africa several times mm-hmm. and looking yes. for home. And mm-hmm. in the process, she realizes that home really is the U.S. Um and and I call us the people of the Middle Passage. You know, mm-hmm. that's who we are. That's 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 where our history mm-hmm. here began. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't begin with slavery, but we are uh, the diaspora. That's that's who mm-hmm. we are, and and we are here in this nation, and we're part of this nation. I think mm-hmm. that we need to we need to we need to live like that. You know, though we're yeah. not apologizing for anything. You know, this is who mm-hmm. we are. Mhm. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking. Um, you probably heard about. Um, there was a uh, a conference recently. I think it was here in California, looking at um, descendants of enslaved Africans um, in this hemisphere as uh, distinguished a distinguished population outside of. Africans in the diaspora, um, but people that are descendants of enslaved Africans in this country specifically, and and having an identity, uh, and and having um, uh, a way to recognize that particular descent as distinguished from other in the diaspora. Have you heard about that? No, no, because I I think I I don't know. I mean, we are, I mean, every locale has its own, I guess, sense of history and self, and and that goes by state even. Um, But so many of us have bits and pieces from other parts of the diaspora. You know, um, I don't don't know how fine-tuned I would, I would make that distinction, but I would make the distinction that we are we are not Africans. We we are part of the African diaspora. We are not. We're you know, you, you can't I don't think that, that I can easily get off a plane in Ghana and feel as comfortable as I would getting off a plane in California. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it, it 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 is it is it is who we are, and I think that mm-hmm. we're you know most of us at some point have have hoped that that 
you know, the search and the connection with Africa was personally stronger. I think mm-hmm. that, and I think that that's what Lose Your Mother was about, you know, is this seeking this, this real, I don't tie, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but a stronger sense than once you get there, it's not, mm, it's not quite the same. <laughs> you know, there are mm-hmm. people who yes, will accept you and welcome you, da 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 but eh, it's not, it's, it's not the U.S. and it's not the West Indies and it's not South America or Central America. It's, mm-hmm. Every place has its distinction. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that if we can accept that that's a distinction and then go on from there because the history uh, and even the legacies are so similar. If you just find out mm-hmm. where the common bonds are and you work with that, you know, but you don't have to reinvent yourself. You mm-hmm. can be who you are. You can be who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, and also I think um, it uh, it had to do with the um, uh, what do you call it um, the resources um, you know having um, you know if if being a person of African descent is all that's necessary to have to get certain resources then then that means that it, it doesn't necessarily matter your ancestry. Um, to be able to access these particular resources, whether they're educational or economic. Um, uh, and so that was another reason around around the distinguishing so that, you know, that if there was a fund for people of African descent to be able to access these resources because they are descendants of enslaved Africans, in this particular hemisphere, not hemisphere, but this particular nation, then, you know, how would anyone know <laughs> um, if there was, you're talking, yeah, you're so they were saying, so they, okay. right, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I think that if we could just say across the board, you know, if mm-hmm. if this nation would be committed to a quality of life for, for every resident, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that that would be so groundbreaking. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's where we need to be. You know, because yeah, mm-hmm. if we're going to argue about well, you know, my folks were here and yours weren't. Yours were down <laughs> in, in Trinidad or you know in Mexico, and yeah, okay, so you migrated here or you came out of Cuba, you know, but it, quality of life. <laughs> Come on, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that that you would get uh, a better su- support and response. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and and everybody who is descended from enslaved people, what what reparations do? It, it's not across the board. I mean, there there's a range of need. It, or you know a need for improvement um and and support and i would think mm-hmm. that it would be the, those who are most in need who need to be addressed i don't i don't need to siphon off you know money i i, I can eat i've got a roof over my head i mean i'm being very personal here but you know my family's okay but but you know the family down the street isn't 
Mm-hmm. What that that's who we need to be addressing, you know. And right. and you know, as long as we keep people ignorant and poor and hungry, um, you know, it's not it, nothing's going to work here. Democracy is not going to work because it's not it's mm-hmm. not democracy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, one more question: How did it How did it work out um, doing the uh, the mapping diaspora project with the young people in Florida? Was it Florida it, that you were going to be doing it? I, you know, I always talk about it. I always say, oh. you know, it, it's. I've I've tried to get a couple of communities to to buy into it because one of the things you know when I when I go and talk to to groups I say you know one of the things that you can do with your kids is you know just get a map uh, and that to me is about um, sort of demonstrating how far we are in terms of being a part of this country you know. Get these, get these stories, get these stories from your elders and from different members of your community, where they've lived, what they've done. So do that kind of research, uh, map it out. I've been to a couple of, of uh, weekend exhibits, projects, where adults have done it, and they've gotten really excited because okay. they couldn't um, – they, they never thought about themselves that way geographically. I guess that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to get them to do. But one of the things I'm I'm hoping that somebody eventually will, one group will take it because, you know, I said that what we would do for any kids who stuck with it to do their mapping and do their family histories, that with the parents' permission we would have their DNA done and then do a world map. Oh. Nice. Oh, that would be so cool. Yes, yes. That's a wonderful extension of the project. The yeah, roadmap. So, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, wow. You know, yes. yeah. yeah, just a map of, of the U.S. and mm-hmm. then to expand it slowly because, of course, yeah, like the map that, that or the work that you've done, you know, some of these kids mm-hmm. have come from different places. They're, they're first generation, so they know that kind of history. Mm-hmm. Um and and then to do the DNA, which would go deeper into the international. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because you know the map, um, you know we we do have it's it's a world map, so people mm-hmm. you know can project that. Well, I know I, I come from this continent. I don't know where no, necessarily. Um, yeah, no. and so that would be that would be nice because as opposed to um, supposition, you could actually have the actual knowledge of, you know, where, okay, northern, you know, Nigeria, this particular, you know, Fulani, you know, ethnic group. Um, yeah, yeah, that would that would be really awesome to be at a like partner with um with African ancestry to do something like that, you know, that would be great. Right. Yeah, so that, I mean that's oh, where that's, I that's that's a good idea. That yeah, that's where I mm. see that head. You know, that's that's Oh yeah. Been, yeah. 
you know, it, it bounces. If I'm in a group, I'm in a group for a couple of days, then normally I will mention it and, and mm-hmm. you know, pull, pull out the map when it's got the push pins in it. And, right. You know, I, yeah. I, have one, I will tell you, I actually have, have one uh, in the guest room at our house. And, okay. Um, oh. I have, it for my grand, I have it for my grandchildren. I said, you know, mm-hmm. this is who you are. This is this is this is your family history by geography, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just asked my son-in-law mm-hmm. uh, to find out from his family, you know, where they're from, um, mm. specifically. And so he's on his next trip to Florida. He's supposed to bring that information, and we'll put the push pins in, you know. Um, for him, for his family. Mm-hmm. So oh, it's, it's, that's nice. So it's a living document you know, just, in your house. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fam. It's a family history. It's, it's you know, it's easier to look at in many ways than than this three hundred page thing of of years and telling that I've written mm-hmm. about the family. Um, oh wow! You know, yeah. That's beautiful. Could you send me a picture? I'd love to add that to my documentation of how um, how the appreciative inquiry is, is being used. Oh, sure, sure. I would be glad to. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I oh, thank super. you for, for even, you know, con- conceptualizing this. You know, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, and, and so I, I know that, you know, we talk about, um, you know, next steps, for um, the uh, Middle Passage Ceremonies and Port Marker, Port Markers project, but I was wondering, gosh, even if it was just a a large picture book, you know, with with illustration of all of these different, you said, did you say fifty two or forty two or how it's many 52. how many sites? Fifty two. Yeah. 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 Um, can't you, can you? Are you going to pull it together in some kind of book for us? We well, I will tell you what, what what we're doing in 2020. Okay. I hope we will have oh. a handbook. We will have a handbook. You will. Oh. And it will okay. have each one of the 52 sites. Uh-huh. No more than 250 words <laughs> for each uh-huh. site. Okay. Uh, and uh, ship data. Um, mm-hmm. And you know numbers of people, and whether or not it is a site of memory, and if it's part of the Gullah Geechee corridor, you'll know that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's what what we're hoping. But it's it's a handbook that will be for sale on on the website once we get it. Oh, um, cool! But it it, re- it reflects everything that we've written. About all mm-hmm. of these sites, and we've gone for yes. funding, or we've gone for designations or associations. So, mm-hmm. I mean, all of them, all of the sites are sites of conscience in the international mm-hmm. coalition. That's that's across the board. Forty-two mm-hmm. are UNESCO sites of memory associated with mm-hmm. uh, the UNESCO Slave Trade Group project, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I said, 52 are the documented arrival sites. So wow. that will all be in that, that handbook. No, there's not going to be anything, no no pretty picture <laughs> coffee book. <laughs> no, none of that, none of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but it will have uh, a section which will show the images of the markers for each site. Um, mm-hmm. And you'll see the range. I mean, nothing. There's yeah. nothing uniform about this, and it shouldn't be. I mm-hmm. think, like I said, every place is unique and distinct, and, and you have to respect mm-hmm. that. So that's that's right. the work we've been we've been doing 2020. Mhm. Yeah. And so going back to Africa Town, so um if these African um people were literally kidnapped, I mean I mean everyone was stolen, sold, kidnapped. But just to hear um, you know, Kujo tell the story in, in Barracoon to um to, to Zora Neale Hurston about how, you know, he was getting ready to get initiated, he had his eyes on a cute girl, uh, that he wanted right. to marry and and then and then he just swooped up, you know, and carried off, you know, to this to this uh ship and and never sees home again but he remembers home. And and so um I was wondering uh in 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 the work, you know, that uh your organization does particularly in this instance since um you know, these Africans knew where they're from, like literally knew. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is there like connections, like for instance, the Benin community um, coming to Africa Town and reestablishing that link, that broken link um, with, you know, with this ancestral uh, descendant community? Well, I, I don't know of any specific families that have reconnected with families i don't i don't know mm-hmm. that there but but i met a woman uh december 7th in mobile who is actually going to benin oh, uh-huh. and uh beginning to work with people there on behalf of the africa town connection so mm-hmm. that might be a possibility i know that the ambassador uh, to the U.S. from Benin uh, mm-hmm. came down to Africa Town last year and mm-hmm. did a libation and asked the community for forgiveness mm-hmm. for um, nice. for what for what they had done uh, for what Benin mm-hmm. rulers uh, had done in terms of selling these people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I yeah, I, but but actual. Family to family, person to person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't, I haven't heard of that, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask, I'll inquire. Um, yeah. Well, I wasn't necessarily saying family to family, um, but just, you know, nation to nation. You know, um, you know that, you know, these these people are descendants of of this particular community. Um, and uh i was just thinking you know like uh in in fort monroe um national um uh monument um fort monroe national memorial monument sorry uh in hampton virginia you know there's the tucker family right and right. and the tucker family are descendants of of these africans who were taken from angola and so um uh uh, Dr. Wanda Tucker, you know, as a part of, I'm trying to think, um, I can't remember the name of the um, the publication, but anyway, she um, might have been Newsweek. Um, she was able to go, you know, there to um, to Angola, and 
not necessarily connect with her descendants directly, but to be in the land, you know, with the people that her people <laughs> are descendants from. And uh and, and that's it's really well documented with film and and writing and you know, and she told the story, you know, that weekend um for the uh uh, for the National Day of Healing, that weekend of healing. Um, so anyway, I was just wondering if something like that might have happened because Africatown is is such a big phenomena um, mm-hmm. as far as, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you know, it could be, you know, the example of how we handle reparations um, and how we handle, you know, sort of this national... Um, I guess um, not oversight, but um, uh, silence around around you know what's what's happened to our people, and and right. the persistent um, you know uh, traumatic slave syndrome, you know economically, mm-hmm. spiritually, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, right. in all in all ways, in all ways, we are still not back where we might have been. If we wouldn't have been disturbed, our energy, our people hadn't been disturbed like we were, you know, 500 years ago mm-hmm. now, like in right. this, in this right. place that doesn't like us at all. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it it is part of the healing, and and mm-hmm. you, you know, at this point, I I've had my DNA. Well, you know, for me, I've got the option of about six different nations in Africa. Where mm-hmm. I can go mm-hmm. and, and say, you know, I'm descended from people from this region mm-hmm. or from this, you know, um, right. And I, and I think that 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 that's what most of us have. I mean, you know, I, I'm always amazed when I find somebody who can say, oh, I have my DNA done and I'm ninety ninety percent Nigerian, and I go, wow. You know, yeah, that's, exactly. That's impressive, <laughs> you know, because most mm-hmm. of us are such a hodgepodge. But you know, by the time you know, <laughs> we're we're doing our DNA, that it, it's like you know, either you can pick and choose, you know, or ignore. Uh, so if if you oh, I don't like those people, so I'm not going to really deal with them. But mm-hmm. I I think that. Um, there's there's the story of the reconnections, like that story of Priscilla. I don't know whether you know mm-hmm. that story. Um, uh-uh. No, I don't know goes, goes back to Sierra Leone. And oh. No, uh-uh. She sings the song. She hears the song, and she goes, oh, my God, this is the song that, that's been passed down oh, in my yeah, family. The, oh, yeah I, yeah. I know that story. I saw the movie, and, and I read right. a book about it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean... There are families that did maintain a shred. I mean, in my own family, uh, this name of the oldest daughter, uh, or the old, yeah, the oldest daughter in, in each generation was Jadida. And I was like, what is that? And my aunt, my mother's sister, uh, would say, oh, it's in the Bible. And I said, I've never seen that name in the Bible. Not that I've read the whole Bible, but. It wasn't any name that popped up. And then from for on one trip, I'm driving up the coast of uh, Atlantic coast of Morocco, 
and um, with a friend, and I passed this signpost that says Jadita. And mm-hmm. I go, what is that? And he says, oh, it's a port city, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's now an oil refinery and water's polluted. And he goes through this long thing. And I go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That name, <laughs> that that word has been in my family for 200 years. Mm-hmm. What my family had been doing was trying to give us our roots, trying to tell us, you know, this is, it's where you all were put, you know, where your family was put on a boat and transported across. You know, that was the way the family had maintained that story, that information. So, I mean, I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones in that sense. But the, the, I, I say our history is in our blood, you know, and yeah, if you, if, if you want to identify your African ethnicity, um, you know, if you can afford that that DNA test, um, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll find you'll find the connections. I mean, I I wish that the test was like ten dollars. I mean, I I've tried. Yeah, to it's like you know, a hundred dollars when it's not on sale, and then fifty something around now. They have these specials. But it's but it, what if you want to do a whole bunch of people in your family? Then it's it's an investment like that's not yeah. that inexpensive. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah. and I mean I yeah. think you know okay guys you know they just found out that the Mormons you know have 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 secreted away uh, under tax exempt charitable organization a hundred billion dollars. You know well I know that a part of that. Is, is some of my money from the from the DNA testing? You know, of I mean, course, of course. Mm-hmm. You know why why are you charging this much for this test? I mean, why mm-hmm. can't we just why can't it be just like when they check you for your blood type? They can, mm-hmm. you know, extra ten dollars to get you your DNA ethnicity mm-hmm. trace. You know, mm-hmm. why what what is the problem? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. So a lot of things are are prohibitive. Um, I think unnecessarily, but I think that that it would really help help us all if, mm-hmm. if we saw what a hodgepodge we are. I mean, I've got one cousin that that now is is off into the South Pacific, you know, because mm-hmm. she found that, that you know that's part of her heritage too. So now that it's, mm-hmm. for her, it explains you know why she's got you know her son. Attracted to maybe people from from the Pacific region, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it 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 does. We do have uh, historical uh, and genetic tendencies um, and attractions, and I think that it's we we know so little. We know so mm-hmm. uh, any way we can get information that's that's pretty solid. I think we ought to take advantage of Mhm. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think it's more is better, you know, because um, some of, you know, the aspects of our, our heritage that we can't articulate um, because we don't, you know, we, we're we're missing, you know, sort of linguistic kind of access and cultural access, you know, here in this, in this um, hemisphere, 
you know, and we've right. adapted. We are not the same people our ancestors were when they when they were, you know, disembarked at these various ports, you know, that, that your organization documents. We are not those people <laughs> at no. all anymore. No. No. But we are those people because those people are in us. <laughs> so, we're in the blood. Yeah. That's right. It's we're, in the blood, totally. We have to figure mm-hmm. out how to access that information. I mean, and I think exactly. That's- Mm-hmm. That's what I think is crucial. So that mm-hmm. that to me is also part of the healing and the reparation. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly, certainly. And and I, you know, I think the whole idea of of you know walking the land, you know, walking the trail. You know, we think about um, you know the the migration patterns, right? And and African right. people did not, you know, migrate to these different places outside of the South because. Um, you know, well, you know, <laughs> they were, you know, because, you know, the land was greener. No, it was just where we were. It was just, it was so horrific, you know, after, you know, Reconstruction that we couldn't take it anymore. And so we had to leave. We had to go find refuge and then found out that wherever we were, there was, you know, there was pain and persecution. Um, but I just think the whole idea of, you know, sort of, you know, looking at at these patterns and these places and these trails again, because I think about um, you know Biddy Mason, and and you know she was her family. She and her daughters were um, were were owned by a Mormon, and and so he walked them to Utah, and then no, he walked them to Los Angeles, and then he from Mississippi, and then wanted to get them to Utah. And she's like, hold up, no. <laughs> We're not going there uh, because, you know, because California officially was a free state. Um, and, and so she took him to court and she won. And um, and she was a real estate woman. She owned property. She built the uh, church in what I think is now downtown Los Angeles. I think that's still in operation. It's still there, an AME church. And, um, yeah, yeah, you know, that kind of history just to be able to like, okay, this is where they walked, you know, right, I just right. I mean, I with no fantastic. shoes on. I mean, yeah. I mean can you, I can't even imagine it. And and through the snow and all these different kinds of terrain, just walking and walking and walking and walking. Yeah, and that's why I said the next thing that, that really sort of fascinates me is to do trails. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I and, think and that, are you that telling them, um, Yeah, tell the story of, okay. of, of mm-hmm. tell our story through geography. I think is is a nice. powerful way mm-hmm. to to claim an identity with this place. I think mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really I, I I think it's important. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that was one of the things um, you know, about the mapping diaspora project that I have is so after you map it, then you look and see what does your what does your geography look like when you connect the lines? Like this is this yeah. is your this is your home like, you know, when you connect all of the trails and you look and see what the shape is. Like this is this is your geography. This is what your space looks like. Right. And then you multiply that by millions. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. All the others, yep. Mhm. Yeah, you see all I the mean, all see. the trails crossing one another. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know you've been here too. Like, really? 
<laughs> you know, and, and you know, early on when we, when we were just doing, uh, just beginning, and we did the um, Mosquito Coast um, in Florida, Mosquito Inlet, mm-hmm. um, and we ended up putting a, a a brick in the Greek memorial in in a place called New Smyrna. Um, and I was told by a, a European descendant um, historian that I was diluting the project by joining with the Greek community. Um, and I went, I don't think so. I mean, both people, the Africans and these Mediterranean people were both enslaved at this plantation. Mm. So where where how am I diluting? I'm not negating that Africans weren't a part of this. I mean, that would be the dilution to me. Uh this is a shared history. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's one of the things that, that in this country in particular, and well, actually in this hemisphere, that there has been such a mixture of people um, that, you know, the Mexicans want to talk about mestizo as if it's, you know, this is it, it's the European and, and the native people. Well, no, you know, you've got Asians and you've got, Africans and you've got Europeans, you got everybody, and and that's what I was saying. Once you do these trail things, you know you mm-hmm. you, you have to look at this as as a different or a a a, a I don't know, evolved people, uh, transformed in many ways, um, but. But unfortunately, marred by um, oppression um, and and omission. I mean, you know, I, I was looking at a movie the other day, and this guy was supposed to be uh, going west, and it's a newly arrived Easterner who comes to the sort of like an Indiana place or somewhere. And he sits down next to this man and he says, am I in Indian territory yet? And the guy said, man, you've been in Indian territory since you came. I mean, this this is Indian land. Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes, oh, I, I, I was waiting to see an Indian. He said, it doesn't make any difference whether you see one or not. You asked me if you're in Indian territory, yeah. Mm-hmm. When, you came, when you came from the east, you were in Indian territory. You know, it's it, it's just the mindset that we have been conditioned to look at history only from one point of view, and that is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think that's what's gotten us to where we are right now today, as as Congress is dealing with this stuff, with this man, you know. In, in in the house in that big in that big mansion, you know, and, and you know, ironically, it doesn't become a White House until 
after Booker T. Washington has had dinner with Roosevelt. It changes from being the president's house to the White House. Oh. You know, I don't even know whether people realize that. It was it was so, not the White House. So until, when Booker T. Washington was invited to have dinner yeah. um, with the yeah. president, they changed the Roosevelt, name? Roosevelt, they changed it. That people were so incensed that oh. a, a black man had come and eaten mm-hmm. with President Roosevelt. It, it uh-huh. changed the name of the house, changed from the president's mansion to the White wow. House. Wow. It's language, language again. Hmm. And now we all call it the White House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and, and, it's, and it's literally white Obama. for white people. Huh. Right, for, <laughs> right for, for Barack Obama and his family to be in the White House. The White House, yeah. People what have, irony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for, for a lot of people, that was an absolute contradiction. Yeah, yeah, because I, I thought, I mean, I didn't know that it was the president's mansion. I know I know that, you know, African people built this mansion. Yep. And I yep. thought that irony, you know, that the descendants were now in this <laughs> mansion. Um, but, yeah, no, I hadn't known that it had another name. So when, um, see, President Roosevelt invited Booker T. Washington to a meal, after that, it became the White House, and yes. when he was invited, it was the president's mansion. He was coming it was the to president's have, you know, mansion. Meal. After that, but at, it, but it, at it, that it, moment, it, it wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, and you, you talk about this la- this language that reflects mm-hmm. this history of oppression and omission. You know, yeah. that Turner, that Turner's rebellion mm-hmm. occurred in Jerusalem, Virginia. Right. Yeah. Okay. They changed mm-hmm. the name of that village or city, whatever you want to call it, to mm-hmm. Courtland. Mm-hmm. Courtland, law and order. Changed from mm-hmm. Jerusalem to Courtland. Courtland. If you yeah. go to Courtland, Virginia, right now, there is a road that is called Blackhead Stake Road. It is the road where when they when they killed uh, members of, of Turner's party, they beheaded mm-hmm. them. They put their heads on stakes, mm-hmm. on poles, and put mm-hmm. put their heads all along this road. It still has that name, mm-hmm. Blackhead wow. Stake Road. See, there, there, there's so many messages, so many things that are in our culture mm-hmm. that speak to, I mean, reparations and healing is a massive undertaking, and I'm not talking finances. I'm talking mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. the way we view who we are, what this place is. That stuff has to come down, or it has to be addressed. You know what? What are you saying? It's a White House? No, it's called the President's Mansion, the President's House. Mm-hmm. You can do that, mm-hmm. but not the mm-hmm. White House. Why is it the White House? Yeah, it was in 1901 that 
um, that he officially, President Theodore Roosevelt officially named the executive mansion the White House. Yes, because he had come under such attack for having had Booker T. Washington there. Uh, interesting. Wow, wow. These, these, yeah. and, and these, are, these are things that we don't even, we don't even think about. We don't even, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't even, but it's a mindset that's, that's established. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what, that's what, to me, that's what this project is about. You know, no, you, you can't assign this racism and, and slave, slavery to only the South. This was a national thing. Everybody was involved. Everybody profited from the exploitation of our ancestors. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at this country. Look at this country for what it is and how it got to be what it is, and now fix mm-hmm. it. That, that to me, is the reparation. That's what's here. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about some city on the hill. Come on. <laughs> you know, no, no, uh-uh. you're not the city of God. <laughs> this, is, this is not, mm-hmm. no. But we could make it that. We could make it an idea. We could aspire mm-hmm. to it, but we have to be honest. We have to be honest about how we got here, what it is now, and then then you can change it if you have the will to. So that's 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 our challenge. That's our present day challenge. Where is our will? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And that um, you know the president. Um, you know, caved, um, you know, to the, um, you know, to the pressure of, um, yeah. of you know, these other folks that were saying, you know, how dare he, you know, invite, you know, um, an African man, you know, to, to this, to this, you know, president's mansion. But then I was reading somewhere else that, uh, um, that in 1798, John Adams uh, he dined in the president's house in Philadelphia with uh, Joseph Bunnell, a white representative of the Haitian government, and his African wife, his black wife. So, um, right. yeah. So, Sojourner Truth had been received at the at the uh, at the president's mansion by Lincoln, Grant Hayes, Cleveland, um, yeah, and first ladies. So the dinner wasn't the first time a person of African descent had been at that place. But um yeah, he um you know, he really caved. Um Yeah. Yeah. A, a Republican cave. They're doing it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean it's, it's, <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's the pattern. And they get away with it. That's a you know, mm-hmm. 'cause we don't we don't call them out. Because mm-hmm. we don't even know. We don't. We don't even know the history. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. you don't know, you can't act. You know, it, it, and and you know, and 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 Booker T came to to the White House. One of the major issues mm-hmm. was lynching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that was one of the the major reasons that he came. 
because mm-hmm. they, they have come to Roosevelt to say, you know, you need you need to put in an anti-lynching law. Mm-hmm. Did he? Nope. Never been one. Oh. Never. oh, to date, there's not really. It's, oh. it's murder. It's murder. Yeah. You know, or yeah. violating it's a hate crime. Right mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hate crime, mm-hmm. but no, no. No anti-lynching in that way. No anti-lynching. Nope. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Yeah. Ah, wow, yeah. And, and you know, Scott Joplin, um, the first opera that he did was called Guest, A Guest of Honor, and it was based on uh, Booker T. Washington's dinner at, at the uh, President's Mansion. Uh-huh. <laughs> huh. Wow. I had never heard of Guest of Honor. I I know Trimonisha. That's the one that you know you see performed a lot. But uh Guest of Honor's like, Oh, I gotta look that one up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I wow. on the internet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and, and this one here. Yeah, this here this one here he did it really quickly 'cause um yeah, um wow. Yeah, and I'd love to see someone, you know, produce that one. That would be really interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah well, hmm. Oh, wow. Wow, thank you so much. I've got to go back and read that book about, you know, the history of, of the White House um, that um, uh, African-American author did a while back. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. you do. Yeah, because I, do. I don't remember this part, but I, I need to go back and read it again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, wow. Talking about Adams and the Haitians. I mean, Adams um, actually supported uh, the Haitian Revolution and put up, uh, uh, put sent the Navy down mm-hmm. for a blockade against the French to to help um, the the Haitians, um, you know, be successful. And that was one of the things that was also a bone of contention between Jefferson and Adams, because Jefferson, mm-hmm. being the Francophile, supported mm-hmm. the French and saw the Haitian Revolution as a real, real threat mm-hmm. uh, to the to to the U.S. Because I mean, his his uh, advice for success in America was two things: buy land. You know, any way you can, doesn't make a difference. You know, get the land and um, maintain um, female African enslaved people because mm-hmm. they'll produce wealth for you. Hmm. So, I mean, you know, all of, all of this stuff is set. I mean, the record is there. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. We just need to to face it. We need to face up to it and, and every and how it is molded this place. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. It's really amazing how so much is documented um, uh, around you know these atrocities. Um, you mm-hmm. know, as you know, we think about the ship logs. You know, aboard these 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 um, uh, floating. Um, Floating, um, I guess, um, chambers of horror, you know, that our ancestors right. 
were in. I mean, you know, people like write down the the, the nitty gritty details about this stuff. It's like, and you can read it now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 So it's like, whoa, and it's just like, wow. Um, and and even you know, you think about what happened in these various uh, you know presidential chambers, things that are quote off the record, but things are being recorded even if they're off the record. So you can go back and you can read what people were thinking and people were saying and how those two things might not might have been in opposition to one another. And I'm thinking, you know, about sort of like, you know, Nixon, the things that we know that he said, and Johnson, the things we know he said, things he said, you know, to the national audience and things he was saying to, you know, in private <laughs> that, you know, no. were not congruent. Like they did not align with one another. And so, like, so these folks, I mean, I guess this must be the arrogance, right? Um, That's what I was going to tell you. The, I think it's the arrogance of having their sense of history and their role in it, you know, that mm-hmm. this this is what I did and, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to set it down for the record. I mean, they, they talk about how, uh, what's his name, uh, George Washington every morning sat down and, and wrote into his diary, you know, because mm-hmm. he, he wanted, you know, he he wanted this uh, th- this information recorded somewhere. This is what I have done. This is what my my life is like. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing mm-hmm. to me. It's a book called uh, Slavery at Sea. Terror, uh-huh. Sex, and Sickness in the Middle Passage by uh, mm-hmm. Mustafine. She does a really detailed uh, history of, of what occurs. Well, I know that after she did this book uh, and, and went through those records, I mean, she she had a, a mental collapse. I mean, it was so 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 hard on her, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when when you read this stuff, you really go mm-hmm. in deeply into the information, mm-hmm. and you see the the horror. I, I, it, it takes its toll. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when people say use the term enjoy, um, you know, <laughs> juxtapose to, you know, for instance, going to see a film about. You know, our, our great ancestor, you know, General um, uh, Harriet Tubman, right? Mm-hmm. You know, enjoy is not quite the word to use for that. Or you think about, no. you know, the, no, it's like, like, no, because cause you feel it in your body. Um, yeah, it, it's oh, just I, like. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I said yeah. that movie and. I said, I, w- I want this movie in my family collection, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that scene where she leaves Philadelphia because of the fugitives, mm-hmm. um, and, and she gets on this, this boat to go north. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have, the, the, the power of, of visuals, um, mm-hmm. go back to the marker, but in this yes. movie, um I've heard stories of my great grandfather's um, attempted escape um, 
going and and he was headed in a ship in a, to to Philadelphia from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I read it and heard it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. seeing her get on that boat to head north was the mm-hmm. first time that I was like, oh my god, this is what he had to do, and he was not mm-hmm. successful. You know, I mean, they got caught, but. It was the first time that I had a sense of what it must have been like to get on a to get on a boat to try to escape and go in some place where you really don't don't know anybody you know mm-hmm. but you're you're yourself you're self protecting um, it 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 just it just struck me in that movie that finally I, I better understood what he must have been experiencing. I mean, so we do have mm-hmm. to tell these stories. We have to, and, and and they have to be portrayed. They have to be filmed. They've got to be written. They've got to be told. People got to talk about it, you know. We do have, yeah. we do have to get all of this history out there. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, yeah. Went to... um went to a conference um, recently um, here in the Bay Area. It was uh, put on by Alameda County Behavior Health and um, was looking at uh, 400 years of African-American history, um, you know, through a, a mental health lens. And so the uh, um, the keynote was given by um, uh, Dr. Hardy. Um, I think he's out of Syracuse University. And his whole thing is around, he's an expert around trauma and trauma healing. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he always brings up, you know, he inserts into all conversations, you know, the um, the effects of of uh, slavery on African people, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the the descendants and how it's still affecting us. And, and he, um, and sometimes people say, well, why are you always bringing this up? <laughs> and how long are you going to be bringing this up? I said, well, okay, so we were enslaved. Our people were enslaved for, let's say, 300 and something years, right? So he said, yeah. you know, another another 200 and something years. <laughs> right, exactly, um, exactly. Right, because it's still, if it I hasn't agree. been addressed, people still suffering, right? You know, from right. the offer. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. right, I mean, you care, yeah. you care with you. Uh, and mm-hmm. and it's it's part of who we are. I mean, and they talk about the the trauma and what that does. I mean, even yesterday was PBS. They were talking about how uh, stress during pregnancy mm-hmm. affects the uh, the baby. Um, in right. vitro, mm-hmm. going yeah. and 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 how pregnant mothers need to have community care and support. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise it's just passed on. And I'm going, and then this is news to you guys. I mean, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that mm-hmm. you know, a community of caring is is mm-hmm. the strong point here, really. I mean, mm-hmm. and and we're talking generations of of how, I guess our communities have figured out um, 
ways of, of building family, and it doesn't have to be by blood, um, mm-hmm. you know, the whole sense of the village. And mm-hmm. so now we're, in, we're living in a society that doesn't even recognize any of this, that doesn't see the need for this. Um, and then we're going to talk about the violence in in our communities, you know, um, and and we just and this the nation distinguishes black on black violence differently than white on white violence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like black people being violent on each other is is sort of the norm and that when white people do it, it's the exception. Really? Hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. violence across the board is part of what this nation is built on. And we all reflect it and how we respond to it. So, why why are you making such a distinction? You know that that you know this is this is horrible when black folks do it, and it's a sickness when white people do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't I, I I don't I, I can't commute. I can't figure out any of that. You know, and and that our experiences have been filled with violence and terror and the community trying to protect itself from all of that, and sometimes successfully and frequently not. Um, and what this trauma has has produced um, and, our, and our response to it. And so, yeah, 300, 400, 500 years of this, you know, get mm-hmm. over it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. stop lying. Right. No, mm-hmm. no, it's still playing out. It sure and, is. And, you know, and if and if, if you know, if you have the man at the top who won't take responsibility for his actions, you know, mm-hmm. and, and thinking that it's okay, and you got at least, you know, uh, sixty guys and women uh, in the Senate that are going to go along with this. No, he's 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 really not responsible. You know, uh, so you have all of these top legislators, and probably if you go through the court system to the Supreme Court, you know the politics of it all will just address and and acknowledge that yeah, this is the way it is. Um, I don't I don't see this society changing from the top. I think that. We have to change it from the bottom, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, that's what, that's, what we, that's what we have to do. You can't look for the leadership is not in those seats of power. I guess that's what no. I'm saying. It's it's mm-hmm. the leadership is in our own community, right? And and we mm-hmm. have to we have to support that and and you know protect our kids especially. That that's our responsibility is is the living. Our elders and our younger people. I think if we could take them on, make sure they're okay. I think they would be in a in a lot better shape 
regardless of what everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on my soapbox. Yeah, I told you I just like get me going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a good good day, you know, to um to have this great conversation, you know. Um yeah, it's been really, really marvelous. Um, you know, talking about, you know, um our our ancestors and our and our great history because we are we are a strong people because we're still here, you know. Despite yeah. all of this, we're still here, and um, and you know we're still reaching back, you know, and and reaching forward so that we can, you know, um, be able to, you know, be able to articulate better, you know, sort of where home is and what it means to uh, to have a place, and and so all of these all of these things that. Um, your organization, you know, Middle Passage Ceremonies and Port Marker Project does is is within, you know, that particular kind of uh of um value, uh the value of place, the value of, of roots. <laughs> uh you know, and, and being able to like name it and, and, and be able to you know, because now, you know, people people are are feeling, you know, so uprooted in so many of our cities, um and I can't imagine a person not having indoor kind of lodging in a place like D.C., right, or anywhere on the East Coast where you all have snow and really cold temperatures and, you know, these unusual rainstorms. And, I mean, here, you know, in Northern California, it's it's also kind of chilly and people are cold. But where you are, it's really, really cold. And, you know, and so whole idea of people being landless, and and being without shelter in this great nation, it's like it is is crazy. So you know, as we are, you know, plotting, well, how did we how did we come in here? Like, what was the ship? What was his name? Like, where did it where did it dock? Where did our people go? You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we see that oh, it's still happening. You know, these people that have been here a minute, they they still have nowhere to go. You know, um, you know how they wanted to send us back to Africa, right? Um, you know, after after our usefulness was 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 um, was uh, expired, like okay, well we can't we can't work them for free now. Let's get rid of them. Let's go send them somewhere. Okay, so hmm, Liberia, ain't nobody there. Yes, there were people there. <laughs> and and then we think about Africa Town, you know, as a parallel between, um, um, you know, sort of these these. European, Eurocentric uh, um, homesteads that these Africans that have been, you know, enslaved and and sort of brought up on these values of this nation, what it looked like when they went back to when they went to Africa, not knowing anything about Africa except that it was backwards and and they were superior. Um, and then we look at Africa Town, you know, sort of wanting to integrate into this other. African diaspora community that they found themselves in and, and meeting similar kinds of resistance. Oh, these backwards Africans, like, you know, you don't know how to be, you know, an American African, you know, more Eurocentric mm-hmm. than African. And, and, and seeing Africa as being negative and backwards and primitive, like, you know, the powerful elite saw our people. So, it's, you know, so it's like right here, people think about Liberia and and you know um 
was it Charles, what was his name, the guy who was like really crazy and killed a lot of people, who was the president there? Yeah. In um, Liberia. Yeah, he was ready. He was yeah. he was educated here in this country, and he was horrible. Rawlings? Um, was Rawlings? Yeah, no, the Rawlings. No, Rawlings that was Rawlings? in Ghana. Rawlings? No, Rawlings. I think he was in Tanzania, Zanzibar. He was good. Um, I think um, I forgot his name, Charles. We'll, we can look it up. But yeah, and so, but you sort of look at how Africatown played out. You know, it's mm-hmm. a real similar kind of situation. You know. The uh, the Liberia and and back to Africa thing that happened and and yeah. how it played out the way it played out. Mhm. Yeah. And then what happened with Marcus Garvey? You know, wanting to let that be um, a place where people from the diaspora could could go and 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 them you know um on was that yeah um them siding with the Europeans as opposed to with another person of African descent from the diaspora. And you mm-hmm. see how that went, you know, with, with the, um, uh, what was that tire company? Um, they ended up, um, the tire company, they ended up uh, exploiting the labor and chopping off people's hands and feet and stuff. Oh, and the bells and thunder. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. King mm-hmm. Leopold. Right, exactly. Good, yeah. good year, good year, good year. Good year, yeah, good year. is that something? Good year, like whoa, it was a good year for them, economically, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, I look at the names of these slave ships. You know, Charity, Hope, Providence. <laughs> you know, how, can you, how can you put names, these kind of names on ships that have got captive people? You know, what? Jesus of Nazareth, you know, I mean, really? Yeah, uh huh. Oh, Charles Taylor. Charles Taylor, yeah. Yes. Charles Taylor, yes. yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 He was a 22nd president. Mm hmm. <laughs> but like you said, they went back over there. Well, they went over there. They didn't go back, they went over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To create, yeah. uh, uh, to 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 put in in place what they had learned over here, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that they were yeah. the master, mm-hmm. you know, because I say so many times you have to really examine people's motives for for what they do, um, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not necessarily to destroy, but just change change places. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that's what that's what we have to decide, and I I think that it's the hardest thing is to create something that is viable and and fair, mm-hmm. and just it's harder mm-hmm. than just mm-hmm. to switch places, which is right. what I think in a lot of ways when we talk about revolution and reform, we're not really talking about that. We're just, People just talking about switching places, mm-hmm. and right? Yeah, it, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna. It's not gonna bring change. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you got to right. figure out what what you're gonna do. And that's why I said this 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 reparations and healing is across the mm-hmm. board. Um, mm-hmm. 
it 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 does yes it does have to do with economics but it's so much more so much more mm-hmm. oh definitely you know, definitely if they, if they let us just have that conversation over over money mm-hmm. they've they've already decided the framework mm-hmm. and we can't we can't we can't hand that over to other people we have to decide what our regulations ought to look like and define it. And mm-hmm. and for whom it's going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think ultimately if they did right by us, the nation would be would be a perfect nation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because by doing, doing right for us, <laughs> they have to do it for everybody. Mm-hmm. Who who is not in a in a position of 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 being protected and and encouraged to realize their full potential as, as human beings? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to yeah. get there. Right. I mean, I, yeah, I, I just looked myself at a recovering racist. You know, I, I work at it every day. Oh, I don't think we could be racist because we don't we don't have the power. Oh, I do. We, have could, be, we could be. We could be. We could be bigots, but the racism yeah. comes with comes with mm-hmm. the ability to create systems that, well, that are designed well, that to oppress have, people based on race. Well, we have to say that we can design systems. That's what mm-hmm. that's, that's my argument. That if, if we don't believe that we have the, the power to design systems that work to our mm-hmm. benefit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 oh, I think I we. Oh, I think we do. I think we do yeah, definitely. We do you know, mm-hmm. and I think and I think you know all of this. Mm-hmm. I would think with all this that's documentation, you know, that you're making, you know, this is you know this is something that could be used to to show the necessity for this conversation with African people, where we decide what we want to happen. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um I wanted to mention that Jerry Rollins um he uh he was the uh president in Ghana for mm-hmm. um let's see um 1981 to 2000 and for a brief period in uh 1979. Yeah, and I and I heard mm-hmm. he was a good he did, he did a good job cuz uh, my friends that live there a lot of people they have a lot of African Americans in Ghana. Um if, you know, when President Nkrumah, you know, put out the call, he was he was serious, you know, like, come on home and help us, you know, work this, this independent, you know, from colonial rural nation thing. And so, um, yeah, I mean, Maya Angelou, you know, she went over there. There was like heck of a lot of people. And even, you know, that W.E.B. Du Bois decided, you know, that he didn't want anything else to do with this country and after his, you know, vehement um, – uh, discourse with Marcus Garvey, he ended up sort of coming to the same space, right? It's like they saw he came, he like came full circle, <laughs> which is kind yep, of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. Well, read, read Lose Your Mother. Uh, yeah, I own it. I think I will read it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually mm-hmm. went to the talk when um, when the author came to town and and um and Alice Walker I think was uh in conversation with with uh with the author um she's written Partly. some other things since mm-hmm. then part yeah mhm mm-hmm. yeah 
I yeah. did a, a, yeah. a, a talk with her at the Brooklyn uh, li- Library in October. Mm. Oh, um, really? Recently? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I read the book. Um, she's she's um, I, I really like I like her writing. I like I like mm-hmm. her way that she processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Is that is that talk? Um, is it is it documented? Like, can people go listen to the conversation I, I somewhere? Like, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything. I just know that um, it occurred. <laughs> you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. sure that they okay. did, did probably video. Okay, um, yeah, because I know um, uh, for um, the. Um, um, City Library of New York, they have talks, and and you can go to their website, and they're on. Um, you can listen to them. They they um, they archive them. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty sure that they. Mm-hmm. I had. I I was really excited to be on, on in a discussion with her. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I always I always find um, sometimes that that. Discussions are too academic. I guess would be one word or abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I don't like I I don't like even the idea of panel discussions. I mean, I like in a circle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's let's just talk. Um, I think how you construct. Um, Conversations is important mm-hmm. so that people right. are not being spoken to, and then we can wait for a response from what we've said. You know, I I mm-hmm. think it's more important that everybody be at the table and and have the opportunity to address each other. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm less and less inclined for for panels and um, those kind of presentations. Presentations. Mm. I'm, I'm less inclined. I'm less inclined for. I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm enjoying like our discussion more because it's mm-hmm. the two of us, you know, bouncing ideas off and getting reactions to them from each other. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, as, a, as opposed to my saying, you know, this is how I see it, and you saying, well, this is how I see it, mm-hmm. to react. You know what I mean? Right. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm a little frustrated in, in how we're doing um, conferences and presentations. Mm-hmm. If it's if the stuff is coming from on high. I think it's one thing if you say, well, okay, here, here are discoveries and here's information. That's mm-hmm. okay with me. You know, this, that's a learning process. But there, there needs to be some point at which exchanges occur mm-hmm. and questions can be comfortably asked. Because a lot of times it's, you know, I find I go to these conferences and things and then they open it up for questions and, you know, you've got several people who want to make their own positions 
stated publicly. Mm-hmm. But the real questions, the real exchanges often occur after it's all over. I mean, I, I just try to make myself available for people who want to just talk. Uh, and I find that those those sessions go longer than the presentation itself. I find mm-hmm. I find those I find those more valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you go to Aswad or to Asala this year? No, my husband was hospitalized, so um, mm-hmm. I was planning to go to Charleston because it was on migrations. I mean, my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That would have been perfect, but no, he he was hospitalized, so I I had to pass up that that conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is is he better, your husband? Yeah, he's actually getting better. He's trying trying to plan an escape to New York in in January. I think I think he's had enough of my hovering, so <laughs> he's, he's trying to break loose, <laughs> self emancipate. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're having. Uh, I was on their website, um, a s a l h dot o r g, and the um, the South um, Florida branch is celebrating uh, the 144th birthday uh, anniversary of Dr. Carter G. Woodson <laughs> at Fort yeah. Lauderdale. Yeah. So that's yeah. nice. And then, right, um, right. yeah, in Richmond, Virginia, they're having a um, another celebration. There was a lot of things happening on the 19th. Yeah, people should go visit that. Um, yeah, Hampton, Virginia, they're having a birthday celebration for Dr. Um, Carter G. Woodson. His history is so interesting, so amazing, the way he just, you know, dedicated his whole life to our people. I mean, like, literally his whole life. Um and there there are other people that did that too um but you know in a big way the in the way he established this organization that's still in existence um is is just really remarkable yeah and i think that this uh, 400th anniversary has uh given new life to to that organization um, mm-hmm. you know that that um People are are realizing that there's a lot more information out here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of scholarship. And the young scholars, and I, I'm I speak as a seventy year old, seventy plus year old person. Uh, young scholars are really in the forefront. I I I love that they've taken on. Um, that level of responsibility mm-hmm. to get to get the information you know, that, it, that it's of merit. It's it and it's in a different way than say the uh, black studies, at least for me, uh, that occurred in the '60s and the early '70s. Uh, it's, it's it is. Um, I guess more concrete. I don't. I don't know what it's concrete. It's less. It's. I. I like it. I like. I like what they're doing. I mean, they're grappling with with really uh, tough 
obscure um, issues in, in many ways, things that, that people have not really considered um, in there the way the way that they're doing it now. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just love it. I, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, we've had a wonderful, wonderful visit. It's been really, yes, really lovely. <laughs> thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised at how long we've talked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, my other guest, you know, she she told me that her her twins are are they they're really really sick, so she couldn't join me. So it's like, okay, we can continue talking. <laughs> Place where we can go to remember, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she was uh, haunted by the um, the ancestors who had died uh, during the the voyage that we had given no recognition to them. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a birthday gift from a friend of hers to me to sort of say, you figure out what ought to be done. And I know that she was involved in that project, The Bench by the Road. Yeah, which in I South Carolina. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think, no, I don't know if they're in Charleston or whether they're in Georgia, or in Atlanta. Um, but I, I initially, when, when it was given to me as a birthday gift, I thought, you know, we'll just have a celebration, uh, commemoration, maybe we'll do it in Africa. You know, I mm-hmm. went and talked to a friend of Stevie Wonders and, you know, was like, we'll, we'll have like a fest act <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, nice. But, yeah. Yeah, but then I realized, I said, well, if we have Festac, those of us who whose ancestors survived, mm-hmm. um, we're not going to be able to get to Africa, <laughs> you know. And once again, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're we're on Economically. this side, kind of kind of looking over on the other side. So I said, well, maybe mm-hmm. we should do something different. So then, of course, it was going to be. I guess the American version of, of the U.S. version of FESTAC. Mm-hmm. And that's a one-time deal. So I was like, I don't think so. And mm-hmm. and I happened to be looking at um, a, one of Henry Gates's programs. Um, mm-hmm. And he was interviewing this British scholar who was working on this database. Um, of ships. His name was David Eltis, and I had listened to him describing how he was going through the manifest of, of all of these ships that were bringing Africans uh, out of out, out of the continent. And at that time, I was working on my own family history, and I was like, "Oh man, maybe if I can give him a year, you know, I can at least find." the names of the ships that brought folks into Virginia, you know, at during this period of time. And so I just called him, literally, you know, called Emory University, left him a message saying, I'd like to be able to access your data. Well, it wasn't online at the time, or at least not for public access. And, um, you know, he didn't call me back, so I called him again because I'm great at this. I can... And nip at your heels until you finally just kind of go, okay, okay. So I uh, contacted him, and he answered the phone. And I said, look, I just want to know if I can access the ships that came into Virginia. I'm trying to do my family history. And he said, okay. And so he sent me whatever he had on Virginia. Well, apparently it wasn't sufficient, never has been. So... I contacted him again, and I just pestered this man over over stuff. Finally, he just said, "Here, here's the password. Go in, and you can access it anytime you want." Mm-hmm. Then I thought, when when you know, I said, "Well, you know, if I'm grappling with this, maybe other people are in terms of their own family history." 
And um, I said, maybe what I need to do is take this database that he has developed and find out just where Africans arrived in the United States. And that's how it started. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. It was trying to make it easy. I mean, if you know that your folks, you know, started off in Georgia, you know, or in South Carolina or Maryland or wherever, you know, we could get at least identify the ships that came by the arrival sites. And I was amazed myself to find, you know, that they were coming in from Portsmouth all the way to Texas. I was like, whoa, (laughs) you know, I had no idea that, you know, like Boston and Rhode Island and, and, you know, Connecticut, like all of these places were such major import areas, arrival areas. And and that's how it started. That's literally the beginning of, of the project. And then I just realized that, you know, if we have just remembrance ceremonies, they're important. But none of these places really want to or wanted to at the time uh, be identified as connected with uh, African enslavement. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I guess we got to put this on the table so that people will will begin to see um, how extensive it was. And mm-hmm. the the real reward for me has not only been the markers, but um, I went to a conference in Charlottesville where I met this young woman, and she said, my folks are out of Maryland, Eastern Shore, and we've been told that the family came from Madagascar. Mm. Um, she said, that's East Africa, but that seems sort of out of out of the question. And I asked her about what was her time period. She gave it to me, and I went into the Voyages database that I, I carry this information in a in a bookless form when I go to conferences. And we found the ship. We found the ship coming from Madagascar that brought people in to Maryland. Mm. I think for me that was one of the most rewarding moments next to having the markers installed that that's connected to this project. You know mm. that Someone could literally uh, reaffirm what had been oral history. You know, there it was. That was How do you get? How do you get a? Um, a copy of the uh, the Voyages booklet. Where where did you? Where do you get that oh, from? Oh, you can just you can just go online and and type in Voyages uh, Transatlantic Slave Trade Database. Oh yeah, I know there's a database, easy. but how do you how do you get it in a booklet though? Oh, I I just you said you I I did I did oh, you. I can okay. I can send. I mean, if somebody you know wants it, I can just uh, reproduce it. I mean, I've, I've got it, so that oh. it's all the data. It's wow. All the, data for the ship, all the ship data. Oh, okay. 
Oh, so where it says transatlantic slave trade database slave voyages, that's what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you can oh. go in and you can type in if if there's a particular port or you just want the U.S. ports, you can type mm-hmm. that in and, and they'll mm. single them out. Yeah. Okay. And and so in what you printed, what did you print? Everything? Because there's like 3,000, yeah. 36,180 entries. What, what did you no, print? No, no. I just, I did U.S. mainland. That was okay. The, the, I specified. I was like, I what did you print? No, no, everything. <laughs> I, I did U.S. mainland, and then I did it by state. Hmm. So, I mean, I I printed out the U.S. mainland stuff, and then I went through okay. and organized it by state. But you can, I think that probably by now, because uh, mm-hmm. Elsus has has reorganized. So it's much easier. I mean, when I first went in, it was I went through thirty three thousand <laughs> ship data. Uh, yeah, I was, I, you know, acts of acts of insanity on some level. I'm, I guess I'm COD. What can I tell you? <laughs> so, mm. um, <laughs> but but I, I uh, went through. Yeah, that was years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since then, he has revised the format, so it's much easier. Uh, now to pull pull the data, but if you do the U.S. mainland as the arrival place, mm-hmm. you can get you can get all of that. Okay. Do you know? Because um, you mentioned your father. No. Did you mention your father? Yeah. So so you know the ports of entry for your for your family members? No. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, no. I know okay. that everybody everybody came in pretty much in Virginia, and given the time period, um, probably uh, either Jamestown or, or not James, yeah, Jamestown, Point Comfort, or Yorktown. Oh, would really? Have been okay. The, yeah, yeah but oh. just because it's, uh, it's the early 1700s. And, okay. I mean, we know we know what families we, we, we're connected with. Okay. Uh, hmm. So... That way to to track it, but mm-hmm. you know i I've, I've been accessing you know families European descended families journals um, mm-hmm. and initially, when I started years ago on the family history um you know they people wouldn't answer me or uh, tell me that things were burned in the war. And I was like, what war? And I really didn't know what a civil war. I was like, Jesus. But um, lately there has been uh, a more openness uh, to share family records. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, I did, as I said, I did my DNA. And suddenly I had all of these other quote, cousins, I get it. No, I shouldn't do the quote, cousins. All these cousins who show up uh, and, and want to talk to me about family history or what I know. Um, but in exchange, they have at least given me access to, to family records that they weren't willing to share publicly. And that's why I say that's the other reason that for me, um, the the years in telling uh, book it's in the blood um, mm-hmm. is is only for the family. I, I 
I'm I'm not prepared to to put this out for public mm-hmm. review. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to um to mention to you that um the bench that I was thinking about it is uh it is in South Carolina, Sullivan's Island. And oh, the one um, in Sullivan's Island, yeah. But the, yeah, the, right. the company, the, the organization is based, I think, in Atlanta. Oh, oh, what And so they, I think, I think they, they, they've done at least, I don't know, at least a dozen. Because it was, because it was the Tony Tony Morrison Society that, that, um, that did this. The, you know that. Well, the bench was secured the, by the, the National Park the, Service. Right, mm-hmm. right. The one that's on, and it's on the intercoastal side, which I find really strange. That that the bench does not face the Atlantic, mm-hmm. or Charleston, or Charleston Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it faces the intercoastal, but it's on National Park Service land. But you know mm-hmm. they put a, a bench at Lincoln University, um, a couple oh, of different okay. places, so that. Mm-hmm. Hers is more. I mean, the, the that society mm-hmm. does any any place related to African American history. Oh, as opposed okay. to what we do, which is specifically Middle Passage. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. All but right. uh, interestingly okay. enough, Amelia Island uh, in Fernandina. Well, Fernandina, mm-hmm. which is on the Middle Island, will have a bench. They're mm-hmm. they're they're not putting up the Tony Morrison Society bench, but but they are putting up um, a bench in the area where they're going to put the marker. Oh, good, um, good. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to be able to you know be able to have a place to sit and and think and meditate. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's good. You know, one of the one of the things that we We've had, uh, I guess, sort of an encouragement is to have the marker put somewhere where at least you can see a body of water. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that oh, that's, that's been yeah that's been tricky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. You know because a lot, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the cities, you know, their waterfronts are precious to them. And oh, do you mm-hmm. you want this history put there? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, so I mean that's yeah. also a part of the negotiation. You know, or mm-hmm. how committed mm-hmm. they are to truth telling. You know? Right? Yeah, yeah. Because I just think about you know these um, these markers. You know, um, sort of marking the entrance of our ancestors into this this nation. Um, and and the uh uh and the memorials you know at the uh, the national um uh monument to peace and justice and how these memorials that that represent racial terror killings in these diff- different counties and municipalities that these 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 places can actually take the memorial and put it in a prominent place in their 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 city county so that right. they can honor these these Africans who were who were killed in such a brutal, horrible way, you know, lynching, and and all of the different things that happened, you know, being burned alive, being chopped up, um, and different things like that. Um, 
when when I last checked, I don't know that any of these municipalities that are named in these uh, memorials, hundreds of memorials, have claimed, you know, a monument uh, yet. That's right. A lot of them refuse to take them. Yes, yes. And, and, and I was just know, thinking, like, you know, to put it, like, in a place, like, you know, on the waterfront. And so you're here, you know, relaxing, just thinking, no thoughts. And then all of a sudden you're confronted with this history that is connected to this space where you are. And it sort of really changes everything. And you're uncomfortable, which is good. <laughs> right, right. Well, see, that that's, I, I guess that that's the difference between the equal justice plaques and, and our project is that, I mean, even if it's, and it has taken years in some places, um, we really want the local communities to own those markers. I don't want to walk in uh, saying here's a plaque. I mean, and I'm not finding fault with these adjustment people. I mean, I know uh, what they're doing. But we're not walking in saying here's this, here's this marker. You know, put it in. It mm-hmm. is. Can we meet and just tell you your history and what mm-hmm. we're encouraging? And mm-hmm. um, you know, would you consider? <laughs> I mean, it's it, mm-hmm. it's it's not imposing, and and it it it's tedious because it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, you, well, what should we say? You all have to decide what you're going to say. Here's here's the mm-hmm. information, mm-hmm. Um, and we would suggest that you put it somewhere close to where the water can be viewed. Now, mm-hmm. where it's up to you. And what we found is that community organizations then begin to advocate and and to 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 put in. They own it. They own it. It's not. It's not our coming in. I mean, the only reason that, that we're raising the money for Biloxi is, I said, I don't think that the community um, is is. I don't know. I should say strong enough, but I don't. I don't. I don't think that this is a priority for them. It's. It's like they would like to have it, but. You know, if if they're going to spend four thousand dollars, they're going to spend four thousand dollars on a marker, or they're going to spend four thousand dollars on, uh, and it really isn't either or. Um, you know, fortifying the windows for the next hurricane. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and and, mm-hmm. and so, but but I wouldn't extend I wouldn't extend that kind of uh, financial support. To, to any of the other um, communities on a routine basis. Maybe West Point, Virginia would be another one. These mm-hmm. are communities that are really impoverished in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, right. and, 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 and so for them, it would be giving them the money to do this. Uh, but for all the other places where these markers, the the community itself has found its funding. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that uh, equal justice gives people the option 
mm-hmm. of taking the plaque or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 we just don't operate like that. We don't. We don't. Oh yeah, no, no. I'm just saying that. Um, I mean, you know, two different two different organizations. I'm just saying. I was just sort of um, juxtaposing um, the you know the marker, um, sort of recognizing these ports, and then this other kind of marker when we were talking about sort of the negotiation around space and history and right, right. and but, our but history. It, yeah, it, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but yeah, but but they're both uncomfortable. They, they change the image, or they change what has been mm-hmm. the normal presentation of of history. And mm-hmm. I think that the process of getting a community to acknowledge that history mm-hmm. has to do with establishing or forming local support. Mm-hmm. Right. If you know I me, mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I would. I know that Jacksonville, Florida, where I live now had Mm -hmm. nine lynchings in the early Mm -hmm. 20th century. Mm -hmm. The the mark, I don't know if the marker has been brought here, Mm -hmm. the plaque has been brought here. Mm -hmm. The city will not put it up. And I think that if the approach had been to identify the local community groups that are talking about social and legal justice, if they Mm -hmm. had been approached first Mm -hmm. to say, we want this up, Mm -hmm. I think that, I I, I just think that there there is a way to have communities confront and acknowledge history. Mm-hmm. And the more that you make the argument that yeah this 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 happened, you know, it's it's not the part that that we always want to stress, but it is a part of who we are and what this place is. Mm-hmm. And um I I I just think that there is a another tactic for for getting local history, um, I guess, raised to a conscious level for everybody. Right. Um, yeah. And 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 doing it from the outside. I uh, you know I I approached the uh, the equal justice uh, folks because mm-hmm. I said that most of their Stories or plaques are related um, to the South mm-hmm. and maybe the Southwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, you know, I think that you know lynchings did not just occur in the South and the Southwest. Mm-hmm. Or the That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and to begin to have people in the North and and. North Midwest to begin to 
to tell their stories. I mean, I think that you have to go in that way, you know, so that they're missing persons kind of stories. Um, and I, I, th- I think that they, they will then show that, that, again, lynchings reflect this nation. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not limited to any particular section of the country. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Ida B. Wells um, Barnett's, um, one of her essays on the topic was just really so eloquent. Um, yeah, I was reading it. It's in a collection I have on great, great African-American speeches or something like that. And it's in that mm-hmm. collection. It was like really, really powerful. Um because like she sort of counters the argument around, you know, that it wasn't racially motivated, and she's like, you know, that it was because of this or because of that, and she and she just counters it with all these great statistics, like, no, it was it was intentional. It's because this person's a person of African descent, you know, and it's not just men; it's women too, and children. Right. It's everybody. Right. Yeah, and right. yeah, and we only have like two minutes, but I wanted to mention, um, you know, they have found a burial site um, for that great that massacre um, in um, uh, Illinois, you know, um, when they killed all the people of African descent. Was it in Oklahoma? Oh, Oklahoma, that's right, Oklahoma, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're, yeah they're, they're doing an excavation now of all of these these bones of, of these hundreds of people of African descent, like at least 300 that um, 